Tuesday, June 8th, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. This is Peter Bergman on the road for Radio Free Oz, and I'm at the Creep Air Force Base in the Doom Room. That's one level under the Situation Room at the DoD MGM Grand somewhere in Nevada. And with me is Colonel Bob Nutz, drone commander and showrunner here. Is that right, Colonel Nutz? Laugh at my name and I'll have you drone. Uh-huh. Ha ha, just kidding, soldier. I'm not a soldier. Everyone's a soldier when our country's at war. Yeah, right. Well, okay, what are we looking at here on these two big video monitors? Well, I went over there, that's AFPAC. AFPAC? Afghanistan, Pakistan, it's all one big show now. Well, can we listen in, Colonel? Sure, that's Kiowa 84, it's hovering down the Kabul, the freaking nowhere highway. No, I'm not seeing any sand jockeys down there, Bob. Look, uh, let's get back to this uh, this waiver here and the re up the ship papers. Uh, we really have to work this out. The bonus? What about the bonus? Well, it isn't strictly for signing the PTS waiver. I know you can get sent, but re up the ship. Look at graph uh, 3024. Yeah. It says uh, fly times, times cultural relations, times, you know, we can make a fortune. Can I talk to him? Well, sure. Say, soldiers, can you tell the RFO audience just what you're watching down there on the road? We are hunting rabbits. Um, detergents. Insurgents. Happy hunting, boys. Now, over there, Mr. Bretman, you can watch uh, Mexeriz. Wow, hi, Def. I can see the slats in the border fence. Yeah, they can get through those slats. Well, how? Blow a hole in them. Oh, look at this. They can just ramp up over the damn thing with one of their high-rider SUVs. Wow, there's 50 people coming over the fence. What do you guys do now? We drone them. Now, we're not allowed to drag them. We just drone them. We drone them into the hands of the... Here they come, the Hintville National Guard. Yeah, there they are, just breveted right there to the big fence. That sounds painful. Hanging your body across the border is the least you can do for your country. Yeah, well, okay. Well, thanks for the tour, Colonel. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, what's that? Captain, I got 12 possible insurgents at the Shake Shack down there at Click 343. I'm confirming, I'm confirming how they are. Well, I can't tell if those are burkas or rocket launchers. All right, we have a crowd of presumed terrorist, militant, insurgent aliens. Requesting orders, yeah. requesting orders. Ah, hellfire. Show them who's boss. This is Peter Bergman on the road for RFO, and I'm out of here. Whoa, Peter. Um, bet you can't. Uh, uh, I bet you don't know why I'm talking like that. No, why? Are you droning? I'm on? droning. Oh, on. my God. I'm droning. I'm droning. Hey, bring on the drones. It's weird out there with the drones. Nobody likes them. Nobody likes them. Either the people that are at the wrong end of them or the people that are on the, if there is, a right end of them. It's causing us a tremendous amount of embarrassment worldwide. The UN, as we'll see later, as uh, passing resolutions telling us that we're being reckless and that we're in, you know, basically enticing other people to do the same thing. You know, it's the modern way of warfare, as they've been saying for years. You know, the guy behind the push button really doesn't care. How about that? guy who was uh, in the in the, the the missile silo oh the yeah, the other guy you that, know, ready ready to end the world nukes the whole world it's one finger away like where's your conscience you know here's some thoughts on afghanistan from masood aziz in the daily beast the us engagement in afghanistan is now in its ninth year i got to stop right there 9 years this is our, this is our longest war and there's literally nothing going on, killing and the spending of extraordinary amounts of money, but nothing else. It is also, without doubt, the highest 
foreign policy priority for the U.S. administration. If the U.S. loses in Afghanistan, setting aside national security, its image may never recover. Certainly when the Russians withdrew from Afghanistan, thanks to a great part to the CIA and the stingers that we made available to the Mujahideen, they never did, uh, their image never did recover. In fact, they didn't recover as a, what we call them, an evil empire. First, one thing is clear. The Afghanistan engagement is not going very well, and there is much to say about our failings both in Afghanistan and the region. We are doing many things wrong in Afghanistan, in my opinion. Here are a few of the most critical weaknesses in the strategies pursued there. Here's what's wrong. One, we know that a military strategy is not enough. The military brass itself has been nothing short of eloquent on this, yet we continue to pursue a strategy primarily based on a military approach, so much so that it is dominating everything we are undertaking there now. Two, we have devised a counterinsurgency strategy of clear, hold, and build. But we are only good at the clearing part. On the other hand, we are quite bad at the holding and especially deficient in the building part of the strategy. So we have now embedded a de facto self-destruct mode in our current strategies. It's true, you know, we are told in the White House that Obama has told the military that once you clear it, you've got to be able to hold it and build it, i.e. give it back to the Afghans. It's just not happening. It may not be possible. Three, we advocate that what we are doing is creating a space so that development and governance can occur. Yet we have no plans for development and reconstruction, at least no plans on par with the prominence of the military counterinsurgency strategy pursued by General McChrystal. Four, this is a conflict with a very definite regional character. While we talk about a regional approach, we are not engaged in significant rapprochements with China, Russia, India, and Saudi Arabia so that they might become major allies in helping resolve this conflict. No, it's the all-American all the time. We're there. We pay for it. We call the shots. Yes, we call the shots because they're shooting at us. This is another area where U.S. leadership has both the ability and the resources to actually make a lasting difference. Yet, we are nowhere close to pursuing an actual regional approach in diplomacy, development, or reconstruction with the scale and scope matching the reach and breadth of the American nation. Here's the next one. We are sending young soldiers to sit with Afghan elders in villages and teach them governance and the notions of democracy. Well, the elders are too smart and too weary of war and conflict to pay attention to some 24-year-old soldier carrying orders and telling them how to behave. As the U.S. has broadcasted its troops' withdrawal to take place by July 2011, these Afghans also realize that soon enough, the foreigners will be out and they will be left behind as in the past and that they will have to deal once again with forces out of their control and understanding. Okay, now here's where Aziz, I think, is, is the most prescient. He said, we are not addressing the heart of the matter, which is taking away the underlying reasons for the existence of institutionalized sanctuaries in Pakistan. It's all about Pakistan. Certain elements of the Pakistani army have justified the need to maintain an asymmetric warfare capability for national security reasons because they say that India may invade Pakistan any day. Asymmetric warfare, terrorist cells, terrorist, uh, you know, uh, organizations. This tactic is used to defend the need to extend support to extremist groups like the Taliban or Punjabi groups like Lakshar-e-Taiba, the alleged perpetrators of the Mumbai attacks in 2008. 
Without removing the reasons for such a perceived need, the existence of the Taliban or other extremist groups will never end. The U.S. has neglected this core aspect of the conflict far too long and is now attempting to catch up to decades of inattention and lack of action. This goes all the way back to the time when we were covertly uh, supporting the anti-Russian efforts in Afghanistan. Uh, We gave tremendous power to the Pakistani intelligence community, which was virulently anti-India, and also in many ways anti-American or anti-Crusader. It was the Pakistanis that kept all of these terrorist groups going, at least the terrorist groups or the insurgent groups you choose, that uh, worked in with their particular political plans. Now the Russians are gone, the Americans are there, and the same groups that were causing the bear so much trouble, you know, are spitting on the eagle. Well, you know, Peter, I was thinking the other day, I don't know why the it occurred to me, but I was thinking about old Route 66 that used to go through, you know, all the way. I, I drove from Laredo, Texas with my dad on Route 66, and I, I guess the worst part of the trip was in, uh, was in Quartzsite, Arizona, where we were stopped at the border of California. Really? Yep, and my dad had to, had to completely unload his 1939 Studebaker. I was not too small to help, but sort of too small. And uh, and that was my kind of introduction to re- returning to California, where I'd been born, but I'd been living in, in Mexico. And, and it was pretty weird there in, in Arizona because there was nothing there at all. And... You know, California beckoned beyond the mountains, but it was scary. So is it still scary in Arizona? I, oh, well, I hesitate it, to ask because— it, It's getting scarier and scarier, Dave. You know, they got the they got the bill the bill that says, you know, if you look at all suspicious, you know, we're going— you know, we got asked to find out if you're an illegal immigrant. Yeah, they, they closed all of the uh, uh, the tanning salons because of that. You know, Absolutely. Well, they, they closed because no one, no one was it. getting tanned anymore. No dark-complected Put, people. Putting there. themselves at risk, and, and nobody's learning, for example, accents so that they can play foreign characters in movies. Took that old job. Oh, right? yeah. So now they've got yep. that one and they got the one that says you can't um, do uh, you can't have classes in college that promote divisiveness amongst various people like teaching Mexican history or anything like that. Now there's a new one. All right. Okay. Okay. Right. I, I'm third, not sure I'm ready to leave the old one, but go ahead. Third bill would require uh, public schools to record and report to the state the number of illegal immigrant children in their student population, along with an estimation of the costs associated with educating those children. If passed, it would compel teachers and administrators to determine the legal status of students and their families, almost certainly discouraging enrollment and parental participation at school, which is an awful thought. The the bill sponsor is the notorious state senator, Russell Pierce, a longtime leader of Arizona's anti-immigration right wing and the legislator who crafted the recent immigration enforcement law. The impact is damaging, said State Representative Kirsten Siemna. Those kids made no choice to come to this country. Yeah. So now they've come to the country. Their parents are hardworking. They all work. Nobody talks about the fact that you see a lot of lazy, you know, immigrants just hanging out watching Oprah. All no, those, they're working. All those immigrants on welfare. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So the, the is um, you know the kids are suffering because uh, their parents aren't documented. Okay. The national anti-immigration movement. Which was uh, which was cheered by this crackdown is embracing it as a cause celeb. Now, Tom Tancredo, one of mm. my favorite <laughs> idiots, right? The former Colorado congressman. He's the one that said, wasn't he the one that said, yes, uh, 
Obama should go back to Africa. I mean, this is the level of this man. This is a, this is a real potential teabagger. He ran for president in 2008 on an anti-immigration platform. He would have been better than, than you know, Mama Grizzly. He predicted that SB 10, uh, 1097 would pass after Republican gain midterm seats in the Arizona legislature. He says the public will then know the true cost of providing public education to the children of illegal aliens. Oh, my golly, is there more? Uh, oh, good Lord, I don't know. Uh, this, this, the school bill is not the first time that Pierce, the state senator, has sought to target illegal immigrant children. In 2008, he introduced legislation challenging the 14th Amendment of the Constitution with the goal of denying citizenship status to children born in the United States to illegal immigrant parents. And, of course, Rand Paul, Ayn Rand's love child, is behind him 100% on that. You've heard that. Oh, course. yes. I mean, yes, that, of course. Well, you know, that, 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 that's... Uh, what about hospitalization? Well, emergency medical treatment? Uh, no. Can they get there? Is there... Well, what Die about, on the roadside bill is coming next. Really? Yeah. That's it. What about... Can they get, you know, like their income tax processed? Can they get milk deliveries at home? Can no they, food, no education. It's just a, it's just a simple call, way of saying go home. If you call 911 and you're a, an illegal alien... Uh, I hesitate to ask what happens. Well, maybe Arizona should set up a whole series of uh, reverse coyotes, people who take the immigrants and, and paid by the state to uh-huh. ship them back uh, you know, surreptitiously across the border because they can't go openly across the border because they don't have any papers. So they're going to get arrested and sent back in both directions. Uh, yeah, that's really a kind of a trap there. That's one of those. That's one of those strange things. They can't go back because they came over in the wrong way. Yeah, well, it's not the kids' fault. Uh, looking for a condominium that you call your own? Try Tudor Nightmare Village, Vision of Chicken Cooperative of Builders. Uh, located picturesquely atop beautiful Mount Windburn, overlooking the site of the soon-to-be-constructed slag-heap nuclear energy plant, you're within striking distance of the factory and a stone's throw from the asphalt quarry and within a breathtaking view of absolutely everyone. So rest in peace, rest in complete insecurity. You're locked in bed each night by our bonded staff of armed minds. And there's an active social life, too, and parties with the Socialist Party meetings every Thursday in the basement. So for two-door, four-door, more-door apartments, let's go to Tudor. Nightmare Village. Uh, We'll be right back. David, this is the article for which we earn our salary. Because, of course, salary comes from the word salt. You know, you're worth your salt. Oh, yes. Okay. Salt was a big deal. It's a big deal today. But the New York Times tells us that with salt under attack for its ill effects on the nation's health, the food giant Cargill kicked off a campaign last November to spread its own message. Quote, Salt is a pretty amazing compound. Alton Brown, a Food Network star, gushes in a Cargill video called Salt 101. So make sure you have plenty of salt in your kitchen at all times. The campaign by Cargill, which both produces and uses... Keeps me from slipping on the floor. Yeah, it's also good for throwing my shoulder for good luck. That's right. All All that stuff, yeah. I I don't know if it works on vampires, but you never know. Mice don't like it, but go right ahead, yeah? The campaign by Cargill, which both produces and uses salt, promotes salt as life-enhancing 
and suggests sprinkling it on foods as varied as chocolate cookies, fresh fruit, ice cream, and even coffee. Hmm. You might be surprised, Mr. Brown says, by what foods are enhanced by its briny kiss. Ho, 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 says Mr. Brown. It's briny kiss. It's briny Who kiss. Who writes his material? Probably himself. By all appearances, this is a moment of reckoning for salt because high blood pressure is rising among adults and children and government health experts. They're estimating the deep cuts in salt consumption could save 150,000 lives a year. I'm sorry. The world's overcrowded anyway. But well, go, go on. Go but, right on. Processed foods account for most of the salt in the American diet, according you to bet. national health health officials. In fact, Mayor Richard Bloomberg of New York and Michelle Obama are urging food companies to greatly reduce their use of salt. Last month, the Institute of Medicine went further, urging the government to force companies to do so. Oh, the teabaggers! Oh, oh government yeah, force! They're telling me I can't put salt on my pizza. Yeah, I put salt in my milk. Yeah. come on! I can't put more salt in my coffee. What's well, a taste? I can't live with. Out. Out. But the industry is working overtly and behind the scenes to fend off these attacks using a shifting set of tactics that have defeated similar efforts for 30 years. I'm watching you, Cargill. Go ahead. Industry insiders call the strategy delay and divert. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are we using that somewhere else? Well, no, that's shock and awe. Oh, I All remember, right, you know. yeah. And they say companies have a powerful incentive to fight back. They crave salt as a low-cost way to create tastes and textures. Mm. I'm trying to do that with my voice right now. Right, tastes and textures. Doing without it risks losing customers, and replacing it with more expensive ingredients risks losing profits. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. When health advocates first petitioned the federal government to regulate salt in 1978, food companies sponsored research aimed at casting doubt on the link between salt and hypertension. Can't do that anymore. Two decades later, when federal officials tried to cut the salt in products labeled healthy, mm-hmm. companies argued that foods already low in sugar and fat would not sell with less salt. Uh-huh. Now the industry is blaming consumers for resisting efforts to, resu- to reduce the salt in all foods. Pointing to, as Kellogg put it in a letter to a federal nutrition advisory committee, the virtually intractable nature of the appetite for salt. So it's the salt addicts. It's the people with the salt jones out there that are keeping the fast food industry from taking the stuff out. This, this is good. Uh, well, yeah, because that's what the taste in all those foods is, after all. is It's all salt. I mean, look at the ingredients. Supplies 95% of the daily intake of salt. Yeah, well, okay. Okay. Even as it was moving from one line of defense to another, the processed food industry's own dependence on salt has deepened. According to interview with company scientists. Oh, those are people I don't want to go to dinner with. uh Salt company scientists. Oh, no. Beyond its own taste, (laughs) salt also makes bitter flavors and counters a side effect of processed food production called warmed over flavor, which the scientists said can make meat taste like cardboard or damp dog hair. Oh, well, I salt my damp dog hair before I consume it, so Absolutely. come on. Absolutely. Uh, doesn't everybody do that with I their damp dog? I encrust my damp dog hair with salt. <laughs> That's the only thing to do. Salt also works yeah. in tandem with fat and sugar to achieve flavors that grip the consumer and do not let go. Oh, uh-huh. And Here's allure, a- what they do is they grip the sides of the arteries <laughs> yes. and never let go. This is an allure the industry has recognized for decades. Quote, once a, prefer- once a preference is acquired, 
a top scientist at Frito-Lay wrote in a mm. 1979 internal memorandum. Uh-huh. Most people do not change it, but simply obey it. They obey it. Obey oh. the Salt Jones. In, in recent months, food companies, including Kellogg, have said they were redoubling efforts to reduce salt, but they say they can go only so far, so fast, without compromising taste consumers have come to relish or salt's ability to preserve food. We have to earn the consumer's trust every day, said George Doughty, a senior vice president of Campbell Soup. And if you disappoint the consumer, there is no guarantee they will come back. Now, Campbell's makes so many different kinds of soup. Like yeah. it's 300 feet of soup in the store. It stretches on. White and red, red and white. It goes on and on and on. There's a salt. There's a salt-free everything, now, along with a increased salt and, and manly and, salt and, and low salt <laughs> and wussy salt. <laughs> all right? those compromises. They've all already done that. I mean, do you know by the way that uh, Campbell Soup is the largest purchaser of wine in the country? That there's wine in almost all their soups. Yeah, but you have to salt it. Yeah, right. Okay, here's case study. Okay. The cheese it. Ready? Okay, the cheese it. The power that salt holds over processed foods can be seen in an American snack icon. The cheese it. At the company's laboratories in Battle Creek, Michigan, a Kellogg vice president and food scientist, John Keplinger, ticked off the way salt makes its little square cracker work. I'd like to show you the way these little square crackers work here. <laughs> think, I'm, I'm sure think, you've all had a few of these before, but this is the way it works. Go right ahead. Oh, uh, heck, man. I think John Keplinger is probably a little square cracker. If you want to get down to <laughs> First wrong, of, wrong accent, but go ahead. Salt sprinkled on top gives the tongue a quick buzz. <laughs> More salt in the cheese adds crunch. Still more in the dough blocks the tang that develops during fermentation. In all, a generous cup of Cheez-Its delivers one-third of the daily amount of sodium recommended for most Americans. That's it. One-third of a cup? No, it, a cup. Just a little cup of cheeses. Like a cup gra- of cheeses. You grab your hand like while you're watching, you know, uh, world wrestling. I would never do that, but well, go ahead. As a demonstration, Kellogg prepared some of its biggest sellers with most of the salt removed. Uh-oh. The cheese fell apart in surprising <laughs> ways. The golden yellow hue faded. I like this cheese, but it looks a little bit faded. Now, I want to show you. That's without the salt. It's the faded one you see the here. The crackers became sticky when chewed, and the mash packed onto the teeth. The taste was not merely bland, but medicinal. I got to say, if you can't spit it out and taste like medicine, is a piece. Excuse me. I got to leave. Quote, I really got the bitter on that. The company spokeswoman, Jay Andere Putman, said with a wince as she, as she watched Mr. Keplinger struggle to swallow. They moved on to cornflakes. Without salt, the cereal tasted metallic. The Eggo waffles evoked stale straw. The butter flavor in the Keebler light buttery crackers, which have no actual butter, simply disappeared. You mean the butter was all salt? Ain't that something? My gosh. Well, you know, it's, it's not anything like this in the pot business. Hi, this is Peter Bergman, and I'm here in Oakland, California for Radio Friaz in the Oaksterdam University gift shop with night manager Nate Groovy Booty. So, yeah, yeah hi there. So, Mr. G Booty, I uh, see uh, 
You're a union man now. Uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's so cool, man. Local five. Oh, that's, uh, Gimme Five. That's right? Gimme Five. United Food and Commercial Workers, man. We're all workers, just like the brothers and sisters who work, you know, like in meat markets and, uh, groceries. I'm like, uh, this is totally groove, booty retail stuff, man. Yeah, but Mr. G, I thought that the medical marijuana business was, you know, like just for people with prescriptions, you yeah, know what I mean? well, uh, so is the regular drugstore, but uh, we got lower markups and we got better drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the retail side, you see, Manny. Here in the gift shop, like, everything is made of hemp. See this purse here, this ring, this nose ring. That's a nice hemp nose That's ring. That's a nice hemp nose ring. Look good on you. And this man, up, man. this mankini that you can wear. Oh, yeah, it uh, reminds you you're a man, man. <laughs> <laughs> all hemp, okay, yeah, okay. And then there's these pot cards. They got pictures of the leaf, man, so you can, uh, you know, take it home and, like, it's like one of those bird books, man, so you can find out what kind of kind of bird you're smoking, you know what I mean? Yeah, so like if you're like, well, you kind of like want to watch the end of your pipe, right? You want to know, yeah. you want to know what's baking. Uh, yeah, that's right. What's shaking. Besides Go right ahead. you, yeah, right. Uh, well, and we got all kinds of local uh, cannabis-related crafts. That we got pottery, we got glassware, we got, uh, you know, we got boxes. We got boxes you can conceal boxes inside of. They're handcrafted, man. They're, it's cool. That's, yeah, for the, that's the time when pot's legal, but boxes are illegal, so you can you can hide them. That's another thought. Yeah, that's now, cool. you know, I'm all... Uh, I'm, I'm an all-night guy here, which is okay with me, because uh, this is all legit. Local 5T, we got the health bennies. Or do you get we, bennies for working at night, too? Uh, for staying up all night, man. You got to have a little extra something. We got paid vacations. Yeah. We can just groove out. We got night frisbee tournaments. Ultimate, man. Ultimate. The white spinner, man, through the sky, man, just the twilight. It's like total, I can't tell you that. And um, uh, stoner product training, we well, got that. Th- there's, you know, it's really tough. I mean, so how can you tell all these various kinds of pot apart? I mean, they're all oh, green yeah, and well, leafy, look, you know? Just look at the case here, man. See, inside this, uh, you know, it's no problem. Oh, well, this stuff is not like, uh, you know, your run-of-the-mill uh, Chinese goat herb, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You got six linear freaking feet of over-the-counter headache pills, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Choosing the right pot here is um, it's like testing a few of the best uh, home brews, you know. Yeah, man. kind like of yeah, taste. boutique micros. Yeah, yeah, taste thing, man. It's a cool quaff, you know. Um, uh, it's like, yeah, microclimate wineries. Right, right. It's I'm like that. Been there, You've yeah. been there, done that. Okay, yeah. hometown down-home cheese, maybe. You like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Fair trade espresso. With Shade grown, <laughs> hey, Shade grown. Okay, so. Well, everybody here. They're crossbred by our university grads, and its ancestors get traced back to the dawn of the pot age. Well, Mr. G. Booty, exactly when was that? Oh, well, you know, like, uh, well, uh, like, uh, say, uh, wow, you know, you remember when uh, Thai Stick met uh, Maui Sensami? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, there was a Tibetan uh, temple hash uh, trickled in, made with the Mando Bendo, you remember that? I said around the time when my 
the seeds disappeared out of my stash, man. It's the bong time. Bong you know? time bong is not time. the wrong time for you, man. So, huh? So, what about this uh, this uh, ballot measure coming up in California that would legalize, tax, and regulate marijuana outside of these now like unionized medical dispensaries? What well, do you think of that? Well, 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 it's good for old hippies, man. I, well, they know how to roll, man. They know how to roll hand rolled joints by the box. It's going to be the thing when the when the law comes through. Uh, the senior dudes be living with the sense of their psychedelic youth, like they say in the ghetto, man. And, and we've already got a right to, to uh, sell a couple of brands Acap- right here. Acapulco Gold, huh? Oh, no, man. I think, I think like Donald Trump. No, you're right. I Acapulco saw that on Google. Gold. Yeah. Now, we're looking into branches of, uh, you know, like big dog, pothead names like uh, Ginsburg, you dig, uh, Satchmo. Oh, I, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Get, get the image. It's yeah, the image. Right. It's all about the image. But uh, the real, uh, the real uh, beta tasters are gonna go for the inside of brands like. Uh, see, my ears is Jack Inch. Right, right, right. His QR. Well, whatever they are. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your union membership, Mr. G. Booty. And by the way, I've got some anxiety issues I'd like to speak to you about, and this referred pain down my L5 oh, really? that maybe no. a little something you got no. might be able to ameliorate. Would you like to come in the back? I thought I already was. <laughs> One fine day, when the land was young A young boy watched the wagons come Oxen teams on the westward hoe Into the land of the buffalo Eastern seaboards settled towns Wagon ruts in the prairie ground Canvas-covered wagon home Great expanse of the buffalo They used to roam sixty million strong Spirit chant and spirit song Flesh and breath and blood and bone Life for the people of the buffalo One fine day, when the land was young A young man watched the railroads come Spitting steam on the westward pole Rifles out the windows shooting buffalo They made quick work of their decree Of ownership from sea to sea Flags and Bibles and the blessed right To gun them down in cold blood in the morning light Gun them down, they did so well Name by name, the people fell Till the buffalo were all the dead The people's lives were shattered as they wept and bled One fine evening when winter had come 
An old man told the story A tale from when the land was young And the world was in her glory From the Pleiades to the Black Hills To the Trail of Tears we're walking still The glory days to wounded knee The buffalo, the people and a history I dreamed I saw their shapes again I dreamed they had returned again The saddest tale I have ever heard The killing of the tribes And the buffalo herd I dreamed I saw their shapes again I dreamed they had The saddest tale I have ever heard The killing of the tribes And the buffalo herd So earlier in the program I talked about the trillion dollars we've spent on the illegal war in Iraq and the much too long, much too ill-defined war in Afghanistan. Well, here's a question. What could we do with that trillion dollars instead of prosecuting those conflicts? Well, first, with a trillion dollars, we could provide a million music art teachers with a job for a year, and we could provide health care for one million children for one year and still have $925 billion left to spare. Oh, my God. Golly, well, what is the big issue? It's really not Afghanistan. It's really not the Taliban. It's really not the Shiites and the Sunnis. It's the fact that there are a vast number of Americans unemployed in a failing economy. But instead of leading on this jobs issue, Congress is delaying and dissembling about the cost while merrily spending trillions on war. The Senate just skipped town instead of staying in session long enough to pass an unemployment insurance extension. We must remember, everyone in Congress is employed. So, on June 1st, several programs, including extended unemployment benefits, expired. 19,400 people were permanently denied receiving checks, according to data from the Department of Labor. And soon, (laughs) the number of premature unemployment exhaustions will climb to 323,400. The week after that, 903,000. By the end of this month, 1.2 million people will be denied their unemployment checks. My, oh my. It will be the third time this year that lawmakers have allowed extended unemployment benefits to lapse, and the second time they've decided to leave town for reasons fully knowing the lapse will cause panic and confusion among blameless layoff victims, not to mention a huge administrative burden on state workforce agencies. But what do they care? They're going home, what, to attend the teabag parties, to rally for their candidates, to eat barbecue? They should eat their hearts out. This is a disaster. People are losing jobs or have already been unemployed long term. And while Congress is nickel and diming people who are suffering, those cost of war counters just keep spinning. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what else is spinning. It's our founding fathers and founding mothers. They're spinning in their graves. Maybe they didn't envision unemployment benefits, right? 
but they can't be happy as hardworking, out-of-work Americans suffer at the cost of a trillion ill-spent bucks. David, I was uh, leaving through McNewspaper, and I 